Good morning, friends. Happy New Year. My name is Justin, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Christ City. And I want to start with some thanksgiving and celebration. Uh, last month, we took up our yearly Advent offering, which goes to organizations that are working for the common good. And I am so thrilled to announce to you that we, all of us together, we raised over $14,000 that will be split between Serve Your Cities, Care for Neighbors in Need, Playtime projects, support of families experiencing homelessness, and World Relief's work to reunite immigrant families separated at the border. It is um, a thing to, to, to give thanks for, and I wish we could be celebrating this together um, in, in that cafeteria at Minor. Um, but that generosity was not confined to last month. Uh, over the course of 2020, you helped us as a church give over $30,000 through our benevolence fund to support folks in our community and in our neighborhood who have experienced financial vulnerability or have otherwise needed help in a difficult time. And all of that is over and above irregular giving, which goes, goes to support our church's efforts in D.C., as well as individuals and organizations both here and around the world who are working to see the good news of life in Jesus and in God's kingdom come to pass for all people. I give thanks for, for all of that, knowing that that financial generosity is only one facet of the generosity and the spirit-inspired giving that characterizes our church community in its love and care for each other and for our neighbors. And so I'm tremendously grateful to be among your number, my friends. I hope that um, you were able to find some time and space to rest a little bit over the week of Christmas and that you experienced the presence of Jesus even as we closed out what has been a hard, hard year. We've turned the page on the calendar. Maybe you burned your 2020 calendar. I wouldn't blame you. And we find ourselves with the road of this year ahead of us, mostly 362 and a half days worth still to be walked. Now, maybe that elicits excitement in you, a new beginning, a blank slate. Maybe there's something you're looking forward to, the possibility of being back together in person safely with friends, with loved ones, with our community. Or maybe that open road elicits anxiety or uncertainty about something you know is coming, something you dread, or you're stepping into something unknown and you don't know if it will become known or even if you want it to. If you're like me, it's, it's probably a mix of hope and cynicism, faith and doubt, of anticipation and apprehension. We are still carrying the grief and gratitude of last year with us, the losses we lamented of family and friends, of rhythms and rituals of relationship, of livelihoods and stability, and also the things we celebrated, new relationships, and maybe even healthier ways of being, new life and new hope and new joy. As individuals and as a community, we went through the, the whole spectrum of experience and emotion, I think. And we probably still are. Um, grief and gratitude are no respecters of time's markers. But those markers can nevertheless serve as waypoints for us. The new year is often a good time to start a new budget or a new journal or new rhythms or practices of physical exercise or spiritual formation or to commit, commit or recommit to something life-giving. Oftentimes, we'll kick off the, 
the beginning of the year by talking about the Spires Plan, which is a tool for helping us reflect and plan for growth in the different parts and areas of our lives, spiritual, physical, intellectual, relational, emotional, and serving. And if you're interested in having that resource, whether for using as you reflect on last year or as you plan for this year, uh, we'll, get a, we'll get a link posted in the chat for you. Uh, I'll be honest with you, my Spires plan from 2020 didn't make it past March, and that's okay too. No year will go exactly the way we would like it to, despite our best efforts. And every morning, as we said in our confession, God's mercies are new. Every moment, God's mercies are new. Which means that there is always the invitation, both to dwell in the depths of God's present love and acceptance and grace of you as you are, and to step into the riches of new life and a new way of living, a new way of being and doing and speaking and thinking, no matter what has gone before, whether that before is last year or last month or last week or yesterday or even just an hour, a minute or a moment ago. As I was praying about uh, what to share on this first Sunday of 2021, I sensed God leading me to the first verses of the first chapter of Joshua, which is the first book that comes immediately after what is called the Pentateuch, or the books of Moses, right at the beginning of the Old Testament. Matthew read those verses earlier, so I won't go through them again, but let me give some context. For decades, Moses had been the leader of the people of Israel. He had been at their head when God brought them out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery, and when God led them on a 40-year journey through the wilderness as they were becoming, as they were being formed into God's people. They were heading for the promised land, a land called Canaan, which God had promised their ancestor Abraham. It would be, God told Moses, a land flowing with milk and honey which were signs of prosperity and abundance for cultures that relied on livestock and agriculture. But just before the Israelites crossed over into the promised land, Moses passed away. He saw the promised land from the top of Mount Nebo, but it was not his task to lead them in. And the end of Deuteronomy says, the Israelites mourned Moses' death for 30 days. They mourned Moses' death for 30 days. Last week, my friend Pastora Inez Velasquez McBride, who was one of our guest preachers in our fall series on the Beatitudes, she posted something on Instagram about a practice that her church had gone through, an exercise of naming the pain that had been stored up in their bodies over the hard year that was 2020. She said she named times of trauma, loss, loneliness, rejection, sadness, and anxiety, times when God felt far and absent, times when hope was out of reach. Here at Christ City, we have talked about the importance of lament, of naming the deaths we have seen and experienced, and we have practiced lament together in our small groups and in our services, because learning to grieve well is an indispensable part of learning to live well. Learning to grieve well is an indispensable part of learning to live well. Now, I know we are all feeling 
closer to the end of ourselves, perhaps closer than we ever have been because of all that happened in the last 12 months. And so I understand if the thought of practicing lament feels emotionally unbearable right now, or like an exercise in opening floodgates, you fear you wouldn't be able to close because it took so much to get back to just functioning again. I'm not here to dictate the when and the where and the how. I'm not here to give you another thing to feel guilty about not doing. But I want to encourage you and invite you to somewhere, somehow, sometime, name your losses in the presence of the one whom the Apostle Paul described as the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The one of whom King David sang, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. My friends, I do not think you will find God lacking. But lament and grief are not the end of the story. The people of Israel, they mourned Moses for 30 days. And then we arrive at the story of Joshua, Moses' protege. To whom God says, in essence, Moses is dead. It's your turn now. It's your time. Lead the people to enter the land. And he lays out the boundaries, talks about the, the wilderness and the Lebanon, the river Euphrates, the land of the Hittites, and the great sea. This is the promised land. This is the hope and yearning of the people. This is a place to finally call home. After wandering for 40 years. And it's at this point that three times in four verses, God says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. God isn't talking about physical strength here. God is talking about strength of resolve and determination. Being brave and set in their purpose. Be strong and courageous. This is the land you will inhabit. Be strong and courageous. Do everything I have commanded you so that you will have life. And then the last time, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let me give you a little Bible interpretation tool here. Anytime you see something repeated in the text, Pay attention. It's important. You may have heard that fear not or do not be afraid is the most repeated refrain throughout scripture because we are most often tempted to do just that, to be afraid, to fear, and to forget that our lives and our faith and our world are still in the hands of God who made the heavens and the earth, who is greater than anything we might fear. Well, I think Joshua needed to hear the words, be strong and courageous, over and over and over, because he was tempted to lose his resolve, to, to lose his determination. He had just taken over, just think about it, he had just taken over from a beloved leader, one who had been at the helm for decades, and now he was being tasked with leading his people into new territory, a land flowing, not just with milk and honey, but because of that vision almost certainly unrealistic expectations and therefore certain disappointment. And it was no longer Moses who would bear the people's hopes and fears and dreams and complaints. It would be Joshua. 
If you've read the story of the Exodus, you will know that the people of Israel in the wilderness were, let's say, easily dissatisfied and eager to share those feelings. One episode comes to mind from Exodus 16. The whole Israelite community complained against Moses and his brother Aaron in the desert. The Israelites said to them, and I'm giving my dramatic em uh, em emphasis here, Oh, how we wish that the Lord had just put us to death while we were still in the land of Egypt. There we could sit by the pots cooking meat and eat our fill of bread. Instead, you've brought us out into this desert to starve this whole assembly to death. The difficulties, the challenges they were encountering in freedom were prompting them to say they wished they were back in comfort and slavery. Because it is always easier to long for the meat pots of Egypt when we have not yet reached the promised land. It is always easier to long for the comforts of what was or what we knew, even if what was or what we knew was not good for us, when we do not yet know how God's goodness will be revealed up ahead or even in the present. It is always easier to fall back into old habits and old addictions and old ways of doing and being than it is to experience the discomfort and the uncertainty in the crucible of becoming mature, of being formed in faithfulness and love and humility and the ways of justice and righteousness. What would you say if I were to ask you, what is your promised land? What is it you're longing for? The signs of flourishing that you're looking for. What is the place God has called you to go? The journey God has you on, the work God has set before you. Because I'm gonna just tell you right now, 2021 is not the promised land. This year will be all sorts of things, but perfect is not one of them. Now, I pray that you and I and all of humankind will experience joy and love and hope. I pray that we will see prayers answered and the arc of the moral universe bend a little more toward justice. I pray that we will see a deepening of our relationships and our rhythms and our lives. I pray that the H Street neighborhood and Rosedale and wherever you call home will be permeated by the presence of God and we will experience the power of Jubilee and God's liberation. I long for those things, and I will work for those things. But I know, I know that we will also experience sorrows and disappointments this year, that we will face hardships and losses this year, that there will be things we will grieve and lament this year, whether in the causes we fight for or the change we seek in ourselves and our families and our city. This year in and of itself is not the promised land. But what is for you? The invitation of God is to experience the life of God through Jesus and the justice and grace and holiness and, and purpose that comes with that life as we become more aware and attuned and submitted to the spirit of God in us and around us, forming us more in the likeness of Christ for the sake of the world, bursting forth in the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The invitation of God is for you to sink deep into the love of God as revealed in Jesus so that you might love others better, 
serve more faithfully in your neighborhood or your workplace or your family as an ambassador of the kingdom of justice and shalom. That's where abundance is, my friends. That's where flourishing is. And so, church, let us be strong and courageous. Let us stand firm in resolve and determination. Let us press on. Let us not go back to the days before our eyes were open to just how unjust our society really is. As the pandemic's effects have been so disproportionately loaded onto the backs of our black and brown siblings, or as we honor the memories of so many lives lost this year, whether to COVID or to racism and white supremacy or selfish greed and a lust for power. For, for, for us as a church, this year was, this last year was full. Uh, from the transition that had Matthew and I swapping roles to announcing and navigating a posture of full inclusion around sexuality, to pressing even deeper into matters of racial justice and pursuing that within our body, in our own integrity as a church. And all of this during COVID, with online gatherings and physical distancing and social isolation, and then the, the, the political exhaustion of the general election, so much of what we went through was hard and challenging as a church, but I wouldn't trade what we went through as a church because we, we were where God wanted us to be. We were following where God wanted us to go and we were trying to be faithful to who God wanted us to become as individuals and as a community. And so, so let us not just long for what was, but let us look with hope to what is and what will be. Let us be strong and courageous. Why? But the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is with us in it all. Now, there are also ways in which we know we can't go back, and we couldn't even if we tried. A year of school lost or a potential job that crashed with the economy, a wedding postponed or a marriage dissolved, a pregnancy or early parenthood spent in isolation, a, a miscarriage or a destabilizing diagnosis, that there have been things said and done by us or to us that cannot be rewound. Many of us have lost loved ones. We're all carrying cuts and scrapes from last year into this year, and some of those wounds are deeper than others. Some are still raw, some are still bleeding. And yet even here, albeit perhaps with a whisper and not a roar, let us be strong and courageous. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is with us in it all. And I don't want you to miss that. We're not told to be strong and courageous because we have more grit and more guile or because we have more street sense or savvy or because we know more people or have more connections. We are told that we can be strong and courageous, unafraid and undismayed because the Lord your God is your God and your God is with you wherever you go. If you're with someone right now, turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord my God, Lord my God is, with me is with me wherever I go. If you're on the Zoom call, let's unmute and say it together. The Lord my God is with me wherever I go. Lord my God is with me wherever I go. Write it on a post-it. Stick it on your fridge or your bathroom mirror. The Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. The invitation, though, is for you to go with God, for us to go with God, to live as Jesus would if he were in our place, to do justice, 
and love mercy and walk humbly, to love our neighbors and value them above ourselves, even over our own freedoms, to challenge systems and ingrained habits of racism and economic oppression and homophobia and toxic masculinity because of the ways they grind down the image of God in people, to see that image of God in every person we meet, to call it out and honor it by how we interact with them, to take time to notice what God is saying and doing and asking us to say and do, or when not to say or do anything at all. I wanna share a few ways that we as a church will be trying to go with God, to continue becoming who God is forming us into. Next week, we'll begin a six week series called The Deeply Formed Life. It's based on a book by Rich Viotas, pastor of New Life Fellowship up in New York. We'll look at five transformative values to root us in the way of Jesus. And then during the season of Lent and then sandwiching Easter, we'll be in a series that's tentatively titled Learning to Pray, based on the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when they asked him to teach them how to pray. This month, we'll also receive recommendations from our church consultant about ways we can be more intentional in addressing issues of inclusion, especially around race and culture here in our church. And we'll be figuring out exact how to enact those recommendations, backing up within our body what we preach and say. We'll continue to partner with organizations like Peace Walks to find ways to counter gun violence and to chaffin our neighborhoods and with wind to discern how to stand in solidarity with those displaced and pushed out by gentrification in DC and, and, and more. There is much, so much that is yet unknown church, but there is always so much to look forward to because the spirit of God is always on the move. And that spirit is the spirit of the Jesus who said, fear not. Peace I live, leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. For all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Or to put it another way, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Or in the words of author Frederick Buechner, the grace of God means something like, here's your life. You might never have been, but you are, because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Let me close us in this prayer by minister and civil rights activist Howard Thurman. Would you join me? Grant that I may pass through the coming year with a faithful heart. There will be much to test me and make weak my strength before the year ends. In my confusion, I shall often say the word that is not true and do the thing of which I am ashamed. 
There will be errors in the mind and great inaccuracies of judgment, which shall render me the victim of my own stupidities. In seeking the light, I shall again and again find myself walking in darkness. I shall mistake my light for thy light, and I shall shrink from the responsibility of the choice I make. All of these things and more will be true for me because I have not yet learned how to keep my hand in thy hand. Nevertheless, grant that I may pass through the coming year with a faithful heart. May I never give the approval of my heart to error, to falseness, to weakness, to vainglory, to sin. Though my days be marked with failures, stumblings, fallings, let my spirit be free so that thou mayst take it and redeem my moments in all the ways my needs reveal. Give me the quiet assurance of thy love and thy presence. Grant that I may pass through the coming year with a faithful heart. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.